Hello, it's David Shirley from Irish Funds. So you are very welcome to our first podcast for 2022. On the 9th of February, we hosted a webinar entitled Crypto, Are We at the Dawn of a New Asset Class? This turned out to be our most popular ever webinar with over a thousand registrations. And this podcast is an audio replay of the discussion that was held at that session. Shortly, you will hear from the moderator, Deborah Hutton of Evershed Sutherland, in addition to contributions from Maxime de Goulibon of Zodia Custody, Fergal Defou of Maples Group and Roxanne Sanguinetti of GHCO. I hope you enjoy this episode and check back soon for more great content. Good afternoon from Ireland. My name is Deborah Hutton and I'm a partner and head of asset management and financial services regulatory team at Evershed Sutherland, Ireland. I will be your moderator today. Let's start with some housekeeping. Today's event will be recorded and will be available on the Irish Funds website after. There will also be a tab on your screen under the questions tab on your control panel should anyone wish to raise any questions to our panelists today. While people are still joining, I think we'll open our first poll question while I'm making a general introduction. And our first poll question. Is there a client demand for regulated funds that invest in crypto assets? Is it a strong demand among the professional community or retail only? Or is it low to medium in the professional or low in the medium to retail only? Or we don't know. Certainly given the interest in today's events from the asset management community globally, it would appear that we certainly are at the dawn of a new asset class. We will soon see if the poll results tally with that view. Ireland is one of the largest fund domiciles in Europe and a leader in alternative and more complex asset strategies. With the Central Bank of Ireland, Irish funds and member firms having a well-trodden path to pull apart, challenge various asset classes across a diverse range of perspectives. As we can see, there's quite a, a split as we would have expected. Strong interest in the professional community and, and low to medium. Retail is obviously lower, but there is an interest in retail, and we will look at some of the complexities around that later in this panel. The Central Bank of Ireland regulates international funds holding more than four trillion of assets. And the Central Bank has quoted yesterday, although this is not a new quote and was advised in previous questionnaires, that the Central Bank is highly unlikely to allow usage and retail AFs to put money into cryptocurrencies as they remain highly risky and speculative. However, this does leave open the possibility of establishing an Irish domiciled quiz that is solely marketed to professional investors if it meets certain criteria, which will be outlined by Fergal later in our panel session today. No matter the asset class, the analysis process is often the same in terms of consideration, custody, valuation, and what are the central bank's requirements. In respect of custody, we will take an example of one custody model due to time limitations, which Max will outline later in the session. In terms of valuation, liquidity, and ETF and ETP models, we will turn to Roxanne next, and then we will wrap up with Fergal discussing the central bank's pre-submission process applicable to qualifying investor IFs. But before we can turn to these three issues, we will also need to consider, consider what type of crypto assets does the fund propose to invest in? 
will these assets be deemed to be financial instruments or not? And given the evolving nature of crypto assets, this is not a simple question, and we will hear more from Fergal later. In the context of setting up an Irish domicile fund, this is a very important question from the perspective of the depository in terms of liability and the appointment or oversight of delegates. Security tokens to which existing security law applies. So for example, a security token, I think one of the first was BCAP, is an asset-backed token that is traded on exchange and it is deemed to be a financial instrument for which the Irish depository has near strict liability under AFMD. Or if it is not a security token and is a coin or token, is it deemed to be another asset for the purposes of AFMD? And if so, the depository has a different liability and custody model to consider. It is this latter model that will be outlined by Max as our first uh, speaker today. It would appear that most crypto assets other than security tokens may be considered other assets. However, this would need to be considered on a case-by-case -case basis. I think we should also consider cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ether. These are coins, other assets, and not financial instruments. They're native to their own blockchain, and all coins can be deemed to be tokens, but not all tokens are coins. However, cryptocurrencies are not legal tenders. And as noted by the central bank, an interesting issue arises in the context of cryptocurrency. And the question is whether, the, whether it is a digital commodity or an asset. From a regulatory perspective, this has been going back and forth since Bitcoin first made the headlines. Tax authorities have also looked at this issue globally, and not all assets may be taxed the same. France successfully having managed to treat crypto assets as movable pro property, thus income tax and not capital gains tax apply. So this changing in the nature of cryptocurrencies introduces a, another challenge to this particular asset class. So I'm looking forward to hearing the views of our panels. We could have a session for several hours discussing the proposed regulation and EU developments such as NICA, DORA, PISA, and indeed the Irish domestic VASP registration process. But the panel will focus on the key considerations of establishing a regulated or unregulated crypto asset fund and what we must consider in terms of custody, valuation, and the CBI's process. Lastly, we should understand that currently there are no regulated funds in Ireland investing in crypto assets. However, there are a number of qualifying investor funds that are in the process of being approved. This is expected to change. And we will hear more from Fergal in this regard. So I am delighted to now look at the question of custody and to introduce our first speaker, Max de Gullibon, the CEO of Zodia Custody, based in London. And before his appointment, Max worked in SC Ventures, the innovation arm of Standard Charter. He joined the team in 2018, and Max has worked for Standard Charter for 15 years in a variety of roles in transaction banking and digital channels, working out of Ireland, the UAE, Vietnam, and more recently, Singapore. Welcome, Max. And I'm going to start with a very difficult question in light of that background. And this is a question we've received from a number of the attendees today. Is that there are a number of crypto custody models in the market. And if a regulated fund or a service provider was to appoint Zodia as a crypto custodian and noting their onerous regulatory obligations, can you explain the custody model and what types of crypto assets you custody? i.e. cryptocurrencies, or can you custody other types of crypto assets such as stablecoins, 
and asset-backed or security tokens. Right. Thanks a lot, Deborah. Thanks for, for having me. And uh, hello, everyone. Um, so I would say you're right. All, all custodians, all city solutions on board equal. Uh, and I think, especially in the crypto space or crypto asset space, uh, custody means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, and it's somewhat a, a word that has been abused uh, because the minute you secure private keys that provide access to any forms of token, you essentially somewhat offering custody over the underlying asset. So to make it relatively simple, there is two types of custody offering in the market. You have self-custody, where the the you know the, the, the asset owner, asset managers is responsible entirely for the keys and the management of, of these private keys that provide access to the asset. And then we have what we call qualified custody, where you have a third party, which more often than not is authorized by a regulator. And we can talk a little bit about the various authorization process. Um, and obviously that counterparty or that custodian has fiduciary duty, uh, which is associated with, with the custody. So it's a lot closer to, I would say, a traditional custody although there isn't a particular status called uh, the way you have the securities custodian in traditional, traditional assets, you don't have the same or the equivalent for, for, for crypto assets. Uh, worth mentioning that, obviously, most of the custodian today are registered with various regulators under, well, the terminology varies, but it's virtual asset service provider. And that is mainly focusing on AML, rather than i would say a full-fledged uh, uh you know securities custodian if, if you like if we refer to the to the previous uh the traditional traditional assets so zodial obviously operates in 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 the qualified custody space uh we are registered with the fca uh, we actually have a subsidiary in ireland which has uh uh well is pending registration with the central bank of ireland for for that uh vast uh, status in Ireland. So, so we are pretty close to, obviously, you know, we gravitate towards the regulated space as opposed to the unregulated and the self-custody model. Um, to your to your sort of second question around coins, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one because technically speaking, all coins sort of work in more or less the same way. They are issued on the blockchain. They you, you receive them through what we call the wallet, which is a public-private key pair. Uh, and, and technically, you can receive any type of token. The, the, the difficulty here is to figure out for each of the token in which bucket they fall under. And I know you've mentioned sort of cryptocurrencies on one hand and securities token on the other. Uh, there is potentially additional categories. Uh, so securities token is anything that looks or smells like the securities or the underlying is a securities is obviously would be deemed as a securities and triggers a different set of authorization. You also have the concept of e-money. So we talked about stable coins, CBDCs, et cetera. There's a question mark on whether a token is, is an e-money or not. And, and again, we, we've developed a set of criteria to make sure that we do not provide custody services for tokens where we don't have the right authorization. And then the last bucket is what most people call the unregulated token, the likes of Bitcoin, Ether, and, and a few cryptocurrencies which again tend 
rule of thumb tend to be un fall under the unregulated bucket. But again, each token is to be looked at on an individual basis and, and the feature of that token, et cetera. So, so from, a, from a pure Zodiac perspective, uh, a vast registration like the one that the Central Bank of Ireland is, uh, has introduced uh, will only allow you to look at the unregulated token, the cryptocurrency token, but does not allow you to provide services to a token that would look like an e-money type of tokens, obviously a securities token. That requires a different set of authorities. Uh, absolutely, and I think we'll get into more in the weeds on the different types of tokens with Fergal later. I think we'll open our next poll question while we ask you the same question. So what are the barriers to investment in crypto assets? And I think, Max, while people are answering that question, it'd be really helpful to understand from you um, what you see as some of the biggest challenges and opportunities more broadly with crypto assets. Sure, I don't want to uh, provide any any insight into what the the answer should be for the for the poll, uh, but clearly mm -hmm. the lack of regulatory clarity, and potentially the conflicting views of various regulators or jurisdiction, uh, and the fragmentation of of the regulatory framework around crypto is not is not necessarily necessarily helping. It's not helping investors. It's not helping regulators, and it's not helping service providers. Uh, what we're hearing from most of our uh, clients and prospects is obviously uh, the lack of an established regulatory framework that would potentially be the same across a variety of juris jurisdiction is probably the key to a lot more adoption. And this is something that obviously um, Micah is, is trying to, to sort out. Um, I would say the, the, the other uh, sort of barriers to not so much investment, but, but we touched upon this in the, in the original question, is the fact that the infrastructure, especially the infrastructure to regulated institutional vehicles uh, touching crypto assets, and, and I'm not talking about futures, I'm really talking about uh, access to the underlying, to the crypto asset themselves, that's extremely nascent. And most of investors don't really look you know, at the familiar names in the traditional space and try to repro reproduce that or mirror this in the uh, in the crypto space because you have different set of participants they're not they're not regulated the same way they don't offer the same type of services uh and, and obviously the fact that it's not sort of well established and mature from an infrastructure perspective uh i think is also a challenge and, and part of part of the challenge is obviously starting with custody but you also have access to liquidity compli uh, compliance with uh, the travel rule to meet sort of payment transparency standards and so forth so that I would say would be, in my mind, the sort of two big uh, challenges or barriers to, to, to a much broader adoption uh, of crypto assets. And we'll just maybe close the poll results, but uh, do you have any views on this? I think it tallies very much with what you've outlined, Max, but bank accounts and AML is a, a theme that we're seeing in terms of challenges there. I don't know if you have anything to add on that particular finding from our results. So and it, bank accounts... Bank account and AML, I mean, it, it's true that most financial institutions are extremely cautious when providing, I would say, uh, fiat access to, to crypto assets and, and exchanges and so forth, uh, just because they are subject to the same sort of AML uh, standards through their uh, various regulators. Uh, if you look at risks, 
Um, I think by and large, companies like us have managed to sort of unpeel the onion and, you know, understand the actual risk, the compliance risk, financial crime risk, uh, risk related to cybersecurity and actually mitigate these risks. And this is really the kind of services that we intend to, to, to provide. But that's not always extremely well understood by the investors, but also sometimes by the regulators. I think it's something relatively new and there is an education uh, period that is required to make sure that we sort of bring the industry up to a level of good understanding. But there are ways to mitigate these risks. Uh, to be fair, otherwise we wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't be offering uh, commercial services today. Yeah, and I, I think just on the practical side, we are hearing um, attendees mention and just even the practical trying to open a bank when you have a, a business with crypto related uh, revenue, because the fiat bank accounts there are challenges. There is a a, a question in. Um, that I think I'll just throw out to the floor, um, but you may want to start on it, Max, given that you've direct uh, experience. The CPI is one of the few regulators not yet to register a VAST uh, to date. Do you think they are more cautious than other regulators in this field? Now, the panelists may not want to answer that question, and I haven't been able to verify if it is in fact the case that there are uh, within Europe other regulators that actually have uh, registered VAST providers. So I don't know if that is um, a correct statement or not. I mean, I have heard the opposite of that, which is most regulators are slow in Europe to give a, a VASP registration. And some people are saying that could be perhaps because NICA is coming down the track in 2024. So I don't know who wants to answer that question. I can give it a go, considering we've gone through the process with three regulators. <laughs> uh, um, so I think, first of all, we, we need to look at it in a slightly different way, which means that Ireland is actually, or the Central Bank of Ireland is one of the few regulators that has proposed a framework of virtual asset service provider. It's not the case in all markets. Uh, mm. In terms of, in terms of uh, licensing, uh, so, if we and, and this is obviously public information, the FCA, which we can relate to, um, launched its registration, if I'm not wrong, on the 10th of January or 20th of January 2020. And the first VASP was approved, I think, in September. So mm -hmm. you can see it's around nine months to get the first VASP approved. And today, if you look at the list of uh, firms that are where grandfathered, in the UK, not all of them have gone through the process, and we are two years down, 24 months down the line. Uh, so, not necessarily a surprise that I think the the the, the Central Bank of Ireland uh, started the process, if I'm not wrong, around April with a pre-registration model. Uh, mm. So we are about, you know, we are still very much in 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 in, in the timeline of other regulators. Uh, so I, I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, call that process slower than, than sort of other jurisdictions, at least the one we, we are familiar with. Yeah, and obviously UK is now outside the EU, which is another complication that the central bank is dealing with. But I don't know, Fergal, would you like to add anything or stay neutral? Uh, no, 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 nothing else to add to that. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly seeing um, timelines being um, in line with other jurisdictions. So uh, we're certainly uh, nothing further to add to Max's. Uh, but I think it's a very important and positive point uh, by Max 
you know, in terms of the central bank and that framework that it has in place as a as a positive step, because we can see from the poll results, you know, that extra regulation and, and deep dive is what market participants are requiring. I think we should open our next poll question. And just um, if both direct and indirect investment was permitted, is there a greater risk to an Irish regulated fund to have direct exposure to crypto, indirect exposure to crypto assets? No difference, don't know. And I am now delighted to turn to questions on liquidity, valuation, trends in the type of crypto assets, um, exchange traded funds and ETPs, and to introduce our next panelist, Roxanne Sanguinetti. Roxanne is the head of strategy at GHCO, a registered marker maker with one of the fastest growing liquidity providers specializing in ETFs and ETPs on and off all major European exchanges. She's passionate about tech, entrepreneurship. She joined GHCQ, uh, GHCQ. CEO, sorry, just as a, a, the company emerged as a leading fintech company. She advanced the fixed income ETF market making and investor relations. She now focuses on innovative areas of growth, such as digital assets. So Roxanne, it is anticipated that Irish regulated quays subject to certain restrictions will be permitted to invest indirectly in crypto assets. Do you agree with the poll results? Um, and can you share your thoughts on risk challenges with direct versus indirect investment? So it would appear that. Oh, this is <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a challenging result. So, uh, yeah. Let me, let me give you um, my version then. Um, so I think we, in general, we prefer to recommend direct exposure. So, of course, what that means is that you need to find the right partners and venues for execution, for custody, like Max was talking about. Um, you need to feel comfortable with the security protocol. So, who at your firm is going to hold wallet keys? Who is permission to action transfers, for example? But eventually, it means that you will have lower costs and a lot lower tracking error with um, non-futures ETP structure. Um, and I think what we've seen is with the launch of the Bitcoin futures ETP uh, or like ETF um, Beto in the US, we now have the data that shows the impact of holding the futures as underlines rather than the coins. Um, and we clearly see how terribly it affects the end investor. So holding such ETFs long term will come at a higher cost for investors. Uh, so in general, we believe investors should have should have the ability to gain exposure to digital assets through a regulated investment product um, but we believe that a non-futures etf structure is the superior approach in this case no thank you understood um and i'd really like because we've we've had a, a number of questions in um from the attendees today um i understand that there's a leaning for european ETFs and ETPs to track or have the top 10 cryptocurrencies as the underlying crypto assets and not other crypto assets. Um, can you share any thoughts on the basis for this trend? Okay, so 
If I take you back a little bit, last year we really saw the emergence of the first ETPs. And in that case, every asset manager wanted to be the first one to issue single coins ETPs to facilitate access. Um, there really is a competitive race to become the main player in the single coin. Now, a mm. few firms have gathered decent AUMs, um, but for now there is no clear winner, uh, in our opinion. Now, this year, what we're seeing is an overapproach um, whereby asset managers want to start providing diversification within digital assets. So either in the shape of baskets of different coins, which can be weighted with various methodologies, um, or in the shape of baskets mixing coins and traditional assets. Um, so this year is really going to be an exciting one in terms of innovation or I would even say in terms of creativity because investors don't need another Bitcoin tracker. Um, so really new entrants in crypto ETP market need to get creative. Now, I'll tell you, we're not ready to see coins outside the mainstream ones. Um, the reasons I would say are twofold. Um, one, the liquidity of the underlying. So in order to provide decent liquidity in the ETP. And two, I would call it the viability of the project. So it's a risk um, that the asset manager is taking to include in the basket a coin or a token which may disappear, right? Um, so similarly, we haven't been approached at all about NFT TPs, for example. That's a whole new challenge, uh, in my opinion. Now we are seeing interest in terms of tokenized assets. Um, but again, whole new challenge and, and these are they're not ready to be listed on, on regulated exchanges at the moment. I think you might be on mute, Deborah. I'm not hearing you. Sorry, similar to the thoughts shared by Max, could you share your perspective on the challenges and opportunity with respect to crypto assets um, and also share some of the challenges around valuation, listing and liquidity? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, all right. So starting with, um, with valuation, um, there are no standards for crypto ETPs at the moment. Um, and in the underlying market, there is no centralized exchange for digital assets, right? So coins are trading purely OTC via a whole range of venues. They also trade 24-7. So every ETP issuer, every asset manager has to be working on its own set of rules to calculate the NAVs. Um, what we see is typically the aggregation of prices from three or four different venues, um, but that's really following a set of guidelines that they decide from the start. Um, in terms of listing, so I assume that what you mean is where in the world can you list the, the, the phones, right? So for now, the options are, are pretty restricted still. So what I would say is um, remember that every jurisdiction that allows crypto ETP trading puts more pressure on the next because we are seeing now your next started to open trading in Paris and Amsterdam. Um, in London, you actually have Akis Exchange that has started listing some of the crypto ETPs. So the London Stock Exchange is obviously feeling some of the pressure. Now, 
in general, Sweden was the first um, to kick things off with listing the first ETPs. But at present, if you're looking for diversity of coins, Switzerland is the main place to list. Um, but Germany is catching up. So we're seeing very strong demand from German investors, actually. Um, now regarding liquidity, um, the one thing uh, that I would say greatly limits um, the liquidity is actually relating to settlement cycle. Um, and you'll have to bear with me a little bit on this explanation, but basically DTP, like most financial products, settles T plus two. But in the meantime, the coins have already settled because it's nearly instantaneous at T0. So this is this is actually your market maker's problem. So this is a problem that we have as GHU. But what happens is that they will make it your problem. And here is why. Mm -hmm. So if I sell DTP to investors, now I need to buy the coins. So instantly I have a funding issue on my hands because I need to exchange cash for the coins right now, but I haven't received the shares of DTP yet. And alternatively, mm -hmm. if we say that the market is crashing, um, like we've seen a little bit in, in Jan, investors are all selling. And now I have bought all the shares of ETPs and I need to sell an amount of coins that I, I haven't received yet. So that's an issue that is specific to this market because um, as traditional players, we're still we're required to post 100% of the amount with our prime broker on the crypto ETP side or on the future side. So it's very capital intensive and it's not efficient for market makers. Um, to solve this um, at GHCO, what we're working on is with um, a few ETP issuers, we're working on shortening the settlement cycles as much as possible. With some of them, we have succeeded in reaching T0 settlement, but it really requires uh, frictionless operations. Um, and all the key stakeholders need to be on the same page. Um, we've also established relationships with coin lending facilities. So it, it's still a very new concept in the space and, and it's fairly expensive, but it is moving in the right direction, I would say. Okay, no, that's very interesting. Um, okay, there's quite a few questions coming in, but one that has caught my eye, um, and I'm just going to throw it out to all panelists. Do we, I, I think they're challenging maybe the title, you know, restricting looking at uh, crypto assets as an asset class. And do we see the funds industry adopting blockchain technology in its every operation? I.e. Ripple Labs are using XRP tokens for faster and cheaper cross-border payments. I don't know if anybody would like to address that question. Um, I mean, I, I can start. I'm sure. I'm sure Maxim has uh, um, some comments as well on this. Um, blockchain is a very powerful technology. Um, however, that doesn't mean that it should be applied everywhere in everything. Um, so I think there are some there are some strong use cases, and and yes, payment um, providing is is one, but it's not something that um, that you need to apply across your entire organization all at once, I would say. Now, Maxime, on your side, on 
on the custody what what do you think so if, if you don't mind i'm going to start with my previous hat at standard chartered when we tried to do that for trade finance and i think it failed generally because when you have an industry and blockchain requires all of the participants to essentially get into that ecosystem and it's quite literally impossible to do that now for custody around the crypto assets yes they are absolutely use case to not just use crypto as an investment but if you think about and we see that a lot more now using collateral and moving collateral around there is a use case to have either bitcoin but now we're seeing a lot of stable coin as collateral being uh, a bit more i would say adopted in in the market the derivatives and, and, and so on the second part and you know roxanne just mentioned it these you know t plus two doesn't mean the same thing t plus two means two days in the fiat world and two hours in the crypto world uh so facilitating the sort of you know pvp uh when it comes to especially in the case of an etp dealing with the ap's and, and making sure that you get instant liquidity in and out both sort of fiat or stable coin and crypto i think that would bring a lot of efficiency in the market so i would say there's pockets of low-hanging fruits but but you know the fact that you know we're not going to change an industry just because there is there is blockchain it's it's the, the issue is never the technology it's really the adoption and the fact that everybody needs to uh be at the same same level in order to to reap all the benefits of it and fergal from your perspective or is this more into the operations yeah this is a is a, a largely operational question but we are certainly seeing clients um look to adopt blockchain um in their internal operations um we we're getting we're getting regular queries on on how it works and i guess even um it's it's good to see the eu proposals in relation to um digital uh, distributed edge technology and uh I, I guess that the broader adoption of of eu regulation of, of crypto assets will uh, certainly bring confidence within to market makers and, and, and participants around i guess the use of, of blockchain technology as well yeah, so I think it's fair to say that we will, Ireland in different, so there's various working groups within Irish Fund looking at this technology, you know, various legal and reg groups that, you know, that we sit on are looking at, can Irish funds issue some form of token that could be traded on a secondary market as opposed to, to shares in those funds? Many use cases are being looked at inside and outside of the funds industry. Um, Blockchain Ireland is working on various working papers in this particular area. So there's, there's a, this has been looked at a lot more broadly. There are a lot of use cases in Ireland and a lot of um, DLT service providers and various entities established in Ireland. But I think for today, we don't have enough details uh, and time to go into all those use cases. So last but not least fergal we're going to turn our attention to you uh and i'm delighted to have you here fergal is a partner of napleton calder's fund uh and investment management team and he's based in their london office he advises many of the world's leading financial institutions asset management corporations usage management companies ease managers fund administrators and depositories and he's extensive experience advising asset managers on the structuring and establishment and regulation of funds so, um, Fergal, um, can you, you know, we've talked about a number of the challenges and certainly some of the recent statements by the central bank from yesterday, but could you provide a quick overview on the different types of crypto assets 
distinguishing coins also from tokens that you know i tried to give a high level in the intro but obviously there's it's much more extensive than what we outlined yeah. Sure. Thanks for the introduction, Deborah. Um, I, I guess there there are many different types of crypto assets, um, so I'll I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Um, the main types of crypto assets are, are stable coins, payment coins, uh, utility tokens, and security tokens. I guess what broadly distinguishes a coin from a token is you know a coin uh, has its own uh, blockchain, while a token uses another blockchain. Um, firstly, um, stable coins. Um, are tokens which are intended to, are coins which are intended to maintain a stable currency or a stable value by reference to a particular either fiat currency or or basket of fiat currencies or cryptocurrencies or um, commodities or a combination of those. Um, depending on whether they're pegged to a, a single fiat currency, um, they're classified as as e-money under uh, the recent uh, MICA proposals. Um, examples would be, you know, Tether and USDC, um, or alternatively, where they're they're pegged to a, a basket of either fiat currencies or cryptocurrencies, where they're classified as asset reference tokens. Um, under MICA, example would would have been, say, you know, Libra, for example, which which would have been issued um, at Facebook continuer. Um, they are stable. Um, coins are generally traded in and out when um, there's uh, extreme volatility in, in other um, crypto assets or cryptocurrencies. Um, secondly, um, there are exchange or payment tokens, um, like everybody on, on this call would be familiar with Bitcoin, um, you know, Litecoin, Ether, for example, um, generally used um, as payment for goods or services. Um, then there are utility tokens. Uh, which give access rights to a particular uh, good or service uh, normally linked to the issuer's network. Um, the central bank has indicated that it's not readily apparent um, why or, or how crypto or utility tokens would fall within their regulatory regime outside of um, reporting that might fall under the, the VASP regime mentioned by Max earlier. Um, an example of, of a utility token would say be the you know, basic attention token um, issued by Brave. Um, another, and I, I guess the final uh, crypto asset category, which um, it, depending on how, how you classify it, may not be a, a crypto asset under, under the recent like, proposals, but um, is a security token, which gives ownership rights or repayment of a particular sum at a particular point in the future or rights to, to future revenue in a business. Um, the the industry view is is that they fall um, under financial instruments within uh, Mifid, um, and particularly as, as transferable securities, where where they where they actually meet a lot of the same characteristics of transferable securities. So, for example, uh, you know initial delivery for consideration, um, right to share in the revenues of, of the business, and a, a reasonable expectation of transferability. Um, and again, um, you'll have seen from the latest EU proposals that um, the digital finance package proposes amendments to financial instruments definition under MIFID um, to allow for um, uh, financial instruments which are distributed via uh, distributed ledger technology. Um, so I guess those those are the main um, crypto assets. I, I guess. Uh, following on from that, the the question that arises is what you know what's the Irish government's view and and of crypto assets generally and and how they fit within the Irish regulatory framework. Um, 
the Irish government has always been supportive of, of digitalization and, and fostering innovation. Um, you'll uh, know yourself from the, from the International Financial Services Strategy of 2025, which was issued a few years ago. The Irish government wants to promote financial services within Ireland uh, and, and make Ireland a centre of excellence for um, distributed ledger technology. Um, the Department of Finance has created a fintech working group, which is to develop Ireland's policy position um, and uh, our response to the EU digital finance package. The IDA has been working with Irish blockchain expert group um, to create the uh, Blockchain Ireland initiative, which seeks to promote Ireland as a centre of excellence for blockchain. And I guess looking particularly at crypto assets um, themselves, um, they're uh, broadly unregulated within Ireland outside of the traditional financial services legislation. So you look at um, you know, MIFID, uh, Electronic Money Directive, Prospectus Regulations, Payment Services Directive, et cetera. Um, the central bank back in 2018 indicated that they didn't want to introduce a, a jurisdiction-specific regulatory regime for crypto assets, um, which would contribute, as, as Max said earlier, to, to the fragmentation of, of, of regulation of crypto assets throughout Europe. Um, they adopted, a, a, I guess, a prudent wait-and-see approach, um, you know, to following the lead of, of uh, their counterparts and EU regula regulators. Um, and, and they were highly, are highly supportive of the digital finance package, which was announced again to, uh, I suppose, harmonize the regulation of crypto assets throughout Europe. So um, I said, turning, I, I suppose, from the, uh, I suppose, broader picture that, that's coming in terms of the digital finance package, the, the existing um, framework for uh, crypto assets in Ireland, you, you need to look at, at MIFID and prospectus regulations, and it depends on whether, uh, I guess, the, the offer of crypto assets constitutes an offer of transferable securities to the public um, from, from prospectus regulations perspective. Again, there are exemptions for offers to qualified investors. And then similarly, um, there's the VASP registration, which, which Max mentioned earlier. Um, but I, I guess uh, where we're, it's, 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 it's good that MICA has been introduced because I guess there were many gaps in traditional legislation. And there's certainly been gray areas where um, outside of maybe security tokens, which qualifies financial instruments, there were a lot of crypto assets, which possibly didn't fall within traditional legislative framework. That's very helpful, Fergal, and obviously a, a broad church of uh, current and uh, proposed regulation. But could you give a, a quick snapshot of the central bank's uh, pre-submission process? Um, because it's currently anticipated that whilst there's no regulated funds in Ireland investing in this asset class, it's expected that a few qualifying investor ifs will be permitted to invest a certain amount um, into this asset class. So can you outline the central bank's pre-submission process and what's expected as part of that? Sure. Um, so the central bank was one of the, the um, first regulators to um, give guidance on, on, on what their expectations were um, last July. Um, we saw the CSF issue similar guidance in December uh, last year as well. Um, as you mentioned earlier, they, they, they created a, a distinction between usage and rates, investing in crypto, which uh, they said are highly unlikely to approve, while conversely, um, you know, quaifs are, are, can invest in crypto assets provided they make a pre-submission to the central bank. And we at Maples have been working with a number of clients on, on the pre-submission process. 
Um, the guidance um, itself makes a distinction between um, tokenized traditional assets um, or, I guess, NFTs, which um, have a lower risk profile. Um, and then on the other hand, I guess, um, uh, crypto assets, which have uh, a non-traditional or intangible underlying. Um, the CBI pre-submission process is very straightforward. Um, so there's a board pack. We've just made certified minutes to the CBI in conjunction with um, the prospectus or supplement updates, um, which should include any changes to the investment policy, strategy, um, objective, etc. Um, those drafts should also include any risk factors related to new crypto assets being invested in. Um, you have to submit a model portfolio in the CBI's um, prescribed template. Uh, liquidity and scenario analysis for the last five years, um, as if uh, you know, showing how the fund would have invested, uh, how it would have performed had it invested in crypto assets for, for that period. Um, the risk management policy of, of the AFM, um, showing uh, particularly how the AFM would manage those particular risks highlighted in the CBI Q&A. So liquidity risk, credit risk, market risk, operational risk, etc. And then, depending on the particular amendments proposed, whether it's a, uh, a material change to the investment policy or you know, any change to this objective, obviously, there's shareholder approval is needed. Um, and then, taking it forward, the central bank will look at each um, would look at each application on a case by case basis and seeing how the particular risks are going to be addressed by the AFM. Central bank has taken a cautious approach and um, to be consistent with other regulators. Um, and they, they broadly don't, speaking, don't want to be uh, first movers. They want to work in line with their European counterparts. And uh, we'd certainly expect a further update in, in the central bank Q&A once the uh, first funds get approved. So we're, we're very excited that, that hopefully the, the first one will be approved soon. That's a really uh, positive message for Gold to wrap up on. But we're at time now, but we're going to squeeze in one final question, and I am going to direct it to Roxanne. Um, it's a question back to our polls. 0% um, of the respondents saw a lack of investor demand as a barrier. What is the tipping point for broad institutional adoption? Um, two things from our side. Um, more clarity in the regulatory landscape. So it's everything that we've just mentioned on on this panel pretty much um that is key to bringing trust in this new asset class as you call it um a second thing that we see that's more on the um uh, i would say on trading executions uh it's around volatility so with more use cases that we find with the technology the underlying technology um for for example um bitcoin and ethereum that will reduce inherently the volatility um, because you won't see um, these coins as just store of value or or as just they will actually be used and a bit like commodities where you have um, you have kind of a, a threshold where um, the price will not go below or above that certain range because you have you have an, an inherently fair value that's what we're seeing for um for crypto assets to um to stabilize and to bring more institutional adoption thank you and i think we can wrap up there and i just would really like to thank our panelists today it was certainly an interesting discussion and 
we could have stayed on for much longer. Um, so it's a positive message. It sounds like we'll be seeing our first crypto funds established in Ireland, albeit marketed to professional investors. We've heard from some excellent service providers and it's great to see, as we say, the cross sector of the industry working together and working with other industry bodies, whether that's blockchain Ireland, and as we see competitors working together to take apart and truly examine this asset class. So thank you everyone, and thank you everybody for joining us today.